fans have been playing uh, these games, you know, all these different uh, classic Yankee games, Met games, all different sports. Uh, and obviously they've been using the announcers to provide some remembrances and some commentary on the proceedings uh, as the uh, days go by. They'll do more of that to come. Susan joins us now. Susan, welcome. How are you? To realize that you actually have paper towels in your local store. I was listening to you this morning talking about going up and down the aisles. No paper towels out here. They actually had a couple. They they did. They actually did have at six in the morning. They had a couple in there. They did have a few. I actually did get a thing of bounties. Uh, wow. in, they but there were there were other aisles that were empty. I have to admit. Now some aisles were stocked. Some aisles weren't stocked. The milk that was on the list, I couldn't. Get Get, that was out, and all the stuff in the frozen food was completely gone. Right. There, there was nothing in the frozen food counter where I was supposed to get stuff in there. There was nothing in there. She wanted certain things that were not in there. So I was hit and miss on, and I don't know where they find anything either. So it's <laughs> not, not not easy either. So I'm just but, trying to picture you walking yeah, up and down the aisle. I, I was sanitary and, wipes and all that. And 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 and. I didn't wear a mask, and most of the people I talked to did, and a lot of people kept coming up to me and say, I heard you say this, or I saw you say that, and this and that, and they were, so, and this was all, you had to be 60 or above to be in the store. Yeah, at six, yeah, Yeah. at six, it's the first time I went, and and it was crowded, it was, then you had to stand on the line, and had to be six feet apart on the line. Yep. So, I mean, really strange. Uh, and when I went to put the card in the in the slot thing, the thing was covered with plastic. I was like, wow, I never saw that before either. Wow. So, And they have a thing up between you and the cashier. They have like a plexiglass. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. so this is crazy. And only one person to a cart. You can't bring a second person in with the cart anymore. That's right. So, but how about this? How about we have hospitals and... You can drop your loved one off, and then you that's it. You can't go in and see them. You can't go in and visit them. So if they're if they're doing badly, you got to basically just wait for someone to call you. There's nothing you can do. And and I know you and I both know people that that's going on with right yes. now. And it's just yes. it's horrifying. The doctor from St. Francis was just just fabulous. You know, as I was listening to you, and he said the same thing you did about trying to non politicize this. I, yes. As I was listening to you, when you watch those briefings from Washington, one of the things that's going on is they've got the wrong. People people sitting in that room. Um, I understand White House correspondence and what they do, but their relationship with anybody behind that podium, I don't care if it's Trump or Obama or Bush or anybody, it's adversarial at best. That's what they do. Why do we not have health reporters? You're telling me That's CNN very and true. NBC and all those people in every paper in the country doesn't have a, you know, guys like we have here, Dr. Max and, and yeah, right. Why aren't they the ones asking the question? I don't care what the guy from CNN thinks. I really don't. And and I'm going to, and I would, this will never happen because this would be, with this president, completely impossible because there is not a person uh, on that other side of the aisle that would ever agree to this. But this is actually a year where, with what's going on, we should actually postpone the president. I know it's in the Constitution, and I understand, but you know what? This, having this right now, 
makes no sense. Now, they'll never do it. And we know that. I understand that it would be. But, you see, they would consider it a coup d'etat because of this president. But the bottom line is it makes no sense that we are politicizing every move. I'll give you a perfect example. The president today says in the next tier, I want to put in a $2 trillion infrastructure bill. They'll never give him that bill before the election. They'll never give it to him. We need that right now, but they'll never give it to him before the election. There's no way because it could help him. So that's the stuff. It's got to be about us. It's got to be about our well-being. Instead, it's about political gain. And you made a great point. And you made a great point. The people in the room are playing gotcha. They're going to play. You got the ones who like them and the ones who don't. And it's the same thing with the networks. If you watch MSNBC, they're killing them. And if you watch Fox, they're promoting everything he does. And none of it's true on either side. We know that. And it's all slanted. And right now, all we want is facts. All we want is something that can help. We already passed 300 and some odd, whatever we are today. You know, uh, I mean, we have 122,000 cases in New York. We have more cases in Nassau County than we have anywhere in the country right now, the way it's spiraling out of control. There's right now 319,000 national cases. We have to do something here, and it and every move is politicized to the max. It's crazy, and that's what's making it so hard. And uh, the truth of the matter is, I said this yesterday, and Doc came on and said it today, it isn't about ventilators, because when we get the ventilators, no, it's no, too no. late. It's too yeah. late when we get the ventilators. We have to now start to think about the economy on one side and the people on the other side. And it's a race with both. And we're losing the race. And here comes the worst seven days yet. And amazing, Easter could be the worst day of all. You're going to be in the middle of Passover and you're going to be in the middle of Easter. And that could be the worst day of all, which is unbelievable when you think about it. And and, and when you look at what's, you know, if you turn on those press conferences, and I, I was thinking about this watching it yesterday because it is so politicized. And I'm thinking the, those people shouldn't be asking the questions. I don't care what that guy thinks. I want, an, I want some doctor sitting there asking either the president or the vice president or the other doctors what's going to happen and what do we do. And I don't care about, you know, his political thoughts. I, the, the wrong people are sitting there, and I think that would help. It's not going to happen, obviously. Right. But it just seems like it would, be, it would make sense for all those network outlets and all those papers that are there. You're telling me the Washington Post doesn't have a medical person of course they do. CNN doesn't have 30 of them I mean that's oh, they do I would like to answer but anyway that's uh, hey listen for the day when you see how it is ratcheted when we saw the numbers and now you see 1.2 million cases now worldwide 319,000 uh, in America going up you know by the 50s and 60s by the day yep. I mean it is unbelievable and from a baseball which is uh, obviously your point of view from a baseball standpoint the thing you wonder about is, does baseball have an appetite to come back before the nation is whole? Or does it feel it isn't constructive to come back? I don't know where the owners feel on this. Maybe you do. Maybe you've talked to a couple. Where do they feel? Do they have an appetite to come back when they know that it's not going to be 
either healthy or something people are going to have a, a stomach for to go in and fill stadiums up right away when they come back? I, I think the health is, is foremost on everybody's mind. And I have talked to a few different organizations, and all I keep hearing is they have, they've all been told to say everything is on the table. But here's the, the thing that I worry about. I mean, if it, peaks what, and if it peaks and goes down, it's only because people are staying away from each other. If we start coming back out... And, and have games in empty stadiums. Well, there's no social distancing going on between an umpire and a catcher who's right underneath him and the batter in the box. And if you've ever been around a sports team, one guy gets a cold, the entire team gets it. So it's, it's, I'm, I would be much more worried about that than whether there are actually fans in the stadium. I'm worried about somebody getting sick because just because you know, the thing peaks in a week or two or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that the virus has gone away. That means that people aren't passing it on to each other. doesn't mean that it's not there. And that's the thing I think everybody's got to think about. I, I love what a lot of teams have done to try and help in this, um, but I think it's much too early to say I'm hearing everything from playing games in Arizona. I mean, is everybody going to be flying to Arizona to play games out there in minor league stadiums? What sense does that mean to, to make? Does it make sense to have that kind of a, a baseball season with people playing te- one team at a time in an 8,000-fan stadium? Are there going to be people there? Are they going to Arizona because it's hot and they think the virus won't spread as much there? Until there's some kind of medicine and there's some kind of vaccine, I don't know how you do this. I I, I really don't. You know, baseball is not a sport. Baseball, unlike other sports, baseball is not a sport where it can be played without fans because revenues ticket sales is still a very big part of their revenues it's a very big part of what they're about filling stadiums every night unlike you know you could bring the nba back for its playoffs and 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 at least have their partner on tv make some money i understand that and you could do that in football you could do it in golf in baseball it doesn't work because revenues, you know, those 70 million fans who are going to go through the turnstile are a very big part of their revenues. It's a very big part of their revenue, and I think it's the most important, and most teams will tell you it's the most important part of their revenue um, because the, the NFL, and we've known this for years, the television contract is such that they could play with no one in the stands, and Correct. they will have their money. It doesn't matter. Right. Baseball is a different. It's a very personal game. It's a very uh, – the relationship between fans and its teams. Um, you know, unless the team is really bad, people flock there. You know, Evan Longoria made a, a joke about it um, – a couple of weeks ago saying, well, I'm really used to playing in front of no one, so, you know, meaning Tampa, so um, that would be okay for us. But that's not the way baseball is played, and I'm not sure it does a lot of good. I am more worried about um, people's health because I don't know how you stop that, and I know that they're, um, that they're young and they're strong and all that, but not everybody who is back in that stadium is young and strong and healthy and can get through this, and I worry about the logistics of all of it, and I would think if the teams who have done a wonderful job, the Yankees doing a great job in doing things for the people that work there and hospitals around the Bronx and Brooklyn, but I would think that would be scariest of anything. It's, it's what if somebody gets sick? Because they're playing baseball. Yeah, listen, there's a very good chance that could happen, not only to a player, but a coach or a manager. 
or somebody on the bench who's older, you know, that could, uh, or an umpire, as, as you know, alluded to, or, or you know what, a right. broadcaster, as an example, again, uh, so, or, or a scout in the stands, or whatever we may be dealing with, uh, and, you know, and heaven forbid one of their star players, of course, who got seriously ill, which could happen, you know, it's one out of a hundred, but it could still happen. You have all that, but also there's the idea of, as you said, when you think of baseball and you think of somebody who takes their kids or their grandkids to a game on a Tuesday night or in July or, you know, in a year where let's say a team's not even having a great year, you know how many people would go spend a couple of days in Boston to see the Red Sox, even though it might not be a great year, but they're going to still go flock to a game on a Tuesday night or they're going to go see the Yankees or they're going to go whatever. They don't want to go there and worry about somebody getting sick. That, that's not, you know, that, and, and they're going to pass on that. And can that league, you know, in the NBA even, said, somebody from the NBA, I talked the other day and said to me, listen, everyone's talking about us rushing back to play or to com- finish this season. We can't have this damage next year. If we lose this year, we're we're past this year. We can live with it. We can't have it impact next year. Right. It right. can't it can impact next year's gotta be whole. And I think that's how these teams are looking as we can give up one year, we can't give up two years. Well here's the other thing if you're talking about in, in stages they're not gonna be fans. If they have fans, does that mean are you gonna go in with your family and go get a hot dog? Yeah, I agree. And just and or, or, or sit or, or sit next to somebody. Or sit next to somebody, right? To somebody. Yeah. At a stadium. um, Yeah, I I don't know. Everything is on the table, maybe, and we're not going to know for at least two weeks what's going to happen. I I was just listening to Governor Cuomo, who um, (laughs) exactly is the only one who comforts me. Then I shut off the television uh, and tells you what's going on and what we can do about it. Um, So if it's in two weeks or maybe by, as you said, Easter, wouldn't that be symbolic, um, and have that peak and then see what happens after that. But I kind of worry about what happens when everybody stops staying home. Well, it's it's going to happen because uh, of the answer of the civil unrest and everything else is too scary. But the other thing is we can come back and have an economy, but that doesn't mean we're all the way back where you're talking about vacations or talking about stadiums or concerts or theaters or anything where you're ne- where you're in close proximity to people we can run office buildings where you say nobody you know one uh, two to an elevator at a time or something like that and we could get by with that or, and you can structure offices in such a way where not everybody's on top of everybody you can do business that way you can still have people at home but if you're going to talk about Entertainment venues, you know this, coming from the theater, or, you know, any stadium, or a concert, Madison Square Garden, or a restaurant. Those businesses are not going to come back in the same way. They could be open for takeout. They could maybe have a couple of, you know, a couple of tables. They can't have them on top of each other. So until we have a therapeutic that works, we are not going to have our life back completely. Uh, I think that's until there's a vaccine, and if that's a year away, and we're lucky if it is, uh, maybe next fall, and then if you listen to Dr. Fauci, it's it's you know it's just because it goes away in the summer doesn't mean it'll. It's just another flu that you'd get um, in in the fall and get another flu shot for, and hopefully there'll be some sort of um, vaccine for that. 
at some point. Meanwhile, I, I did write down some stuff for you. Good, because, good. Um, people in, in baseball, and I, and I deal with the Yankees, so I know what the, what the office is doing. I don't really know what the Mets are doing. I'm sure they're doing something similar. Um, but they have got $1.4 million in a fund that all their day-of-game people are getting paid. Nice, nice, there is, nice. There is no um, furloughs. There are no pay cuts for anyone in the staff, and they were contacted. I had heard about this the other day because I saw a picture of it. Um, they were contacted by a couple of um, hospitals, in one in the Bronx and one in Brooklyn, that were running out of gowns. You know what the Yankees did? They sent over 4,000 of those ponchos that the guys wear now yeah. in the rain. They 4,000 of them to, to use as, this is where we are in, in America that we have to get this. But it, it, they sent them right over there, and there are 4,000 Yankee ponchos. So somebody is taking care of somebody in Yankee ponchos. 4,000 um, went to a, a hospital in the Bronx and a hospital in Brooklyn. I did know that Derek Jeter and the Marlins Foundation have set up something called Home Plate Meals Relief Fund, and it's a drive-through food distribution. They started it with $150,000, and I think it's growing and growing, but it's a drive-through through so that um, people can get people can get food. I mean, you know, we're kidding about toilet paper and paper towels. There are people that, you know, that are on food stamps Absolutely. and all kinds of things that can't get that. So the Marlins have done that. My favorite um, thing, and this is a while ago, so you probably have heard of this, Shinsu Chu, uh, before he went back to Korea, um, gave $1,000 to every minor leaguer on the Rangers organization. There's 190 of them. That's really nice. I, and then he went back to Korea, and, um, and they had to stop, so $250,000 to the minor leaguers in Korean baseball. I know you heard of, of Daniel Murphy with the $100,000 that he gave to food banks there. But people that you, you know, because you'd, you'd look and see things. Sean Doolittle, who's one of the great stories in this world, um, 25,000 meals to families. Uh, do you know how many families depend on schools? Oh, incredible. Yes, yes, incredible. So, so far has fed 20,000, 25,000 meals to uh, families dealing with school closures in that area where he, he lives. Also, who's done that is Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros. He, he gets and delivers food to different um, places where people can come and get that. Um, you've been talking all day about Justin Verlander and his wife and what they're doing. And, you know, the next, his paychecks for the next two, mo- two months. Guy makes $35 million. That's a lot of money. Um, and what they're doing is that they're giving to different foundations, and they're going to make it very public so that people can go on and see where the need is if they give to whatever relief fund they are wherever they live. And that, that foundation gets a little, um, gets a little um, exposure. That's great. And then the next week they're going to do another one. And so they're going to do that for at least two months and you know, see where that goes. Uh, Bryce Harper has set things up, $500,000, one in Vegas and one in Philly. Of course, he's from Vegas and, of course, plays in Philly with direct relief, whatever people need. And that's not necessarily nice. food. It could be. Um, so people are, and I know Garrett and Amy Cole have set something up. They have a foundation, and that foundation, um, as far as I was told, is going to start um, putting that money to direct use in this area. What was the thing about you and Cole for opening day? Well, I saw some oh. headline about that. I don't know what it's about. What oh, is that about? Because years 
seven years ago when um, when he was when I, I first heard him talk. Obviously, it was a conference call when he was drafted when he was in high school, and I remember we were all standing in the late Arthur Richmond's office, and he's on a speakerphone from his house in um, L.A. And I'm listening to him, and I turned to Damon Oppenheimer, the, the head of scouting. I said, he's not coming here. And he said, no, listen to him. He's wonderful. I said, I'm telling you, he's not coming here. He's going to college. I can tell by what he's not saying. And, but he was wonderful. And then I met him, I don't know, when he finished school and went to Pittsburgh. And I can't remember whether it happened when I saw him in, in, as a pirate or as an astro. But I remember Mike saying to him, um, you're going to make a great Yankee someday. And I remember saying it to him, and he said, well, if I do come here, um, you have to sing the anthem on opening day. This is a man who knows everything about everybody. Before he walked in here, he knows everybody's name, he knows their background, he knows... And this is when he was, I, I believe it was when he was an Astro, but it might have been when he was Pirate. And he said, well, if I do... And when we got to the press conference here, he came over to go on the air with me and Sweeney Murdy, and he comes over and he hugs me and he said, now you promised... He remembered. So I told that story to uh, Christy Ackert of the Daily News, and she put it in the paper. So are you singing the anthem on opening day? No, nobody's asked me. I'm <laughs> well, listen, if Cole, if Cole wants it, if Cole wants it, I'm sure he'll get it. I mean, well, you know, if he wants it, if he puts his foot down, I'm sure he'll get it. They'll give him probably anything he wants. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, well, we'll see. Whatever. It's, it's, uh, there'll be a few games. If I don't do it opening day, maybe the next day. Do they, they still use the Robert Merrill recording? They do, right? Don't they still uh, use that? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. They do. They have three that they rotate. Robert Merrill's, um, uh, for more um, bigger games, right. they'll, they'll do the Marine Corps band and the Army band. And uh, Monday nights has, has started to be Broadway night because that's mostly when... Uh, the Broadway shows are, are dark, so you'll always get live singers. What happens to Broadway? What's happening with Broadway? Uh, what happens with Broadway people right now? What happens with their shows? Well, the shows are are closed, obviously. Right. I mean, but do uh, they do they rehearse? Do they practice? No, do they no, say, no, no, nothing? No, no, nothing? No, no, nothing? No, no, nothing? No, no. No, Nothing. no, the theaters are closed. You can't get, I mean, you can't re- rehearse a show. I mean, Right, so no no one even, they can't even have anybody do any work or they bring them in, uh, you know, a couple of the time just to keep them going or anything? No. No, nothing, huh? No, because, they, no. So no one's getting paid. Um, you know, I'm, I'm worried if you're, if you're in that business, you're worried that theaters aren't going to be able to make their rents. I'm not talking about the Schubert's. I'm not worried about them. Right. But there are, there are thousands of theaters in this town that, that depend on, um, people coming in. Uh, there's a slew of them on 42nd Street. They're all very small and they have some big stuff and some little stuff and, um, they can't make their rents. And, you know, and when you're, uh, in a show and you're not working and you're not getting a check, um, your insurance stops. So it, there's, there's a lot of, lot of it, it's hit every business. Hey, really, every really business. People don't realize it's starting this week will start the cavalcade of where businesses will start to go out. Of, they won't be able to make their rent. They'll, they won't be able to, they'll have to close their doors. They won't be able to pay their employees. Uh, everyone targeted April 6th is a date where everything was going to start to come apart. And the this is it, where small businesses are just not going to survive if they're out too many more weeks. They're just right. not going to, they're going to, one guy told me they'll start to go down at 10% a week uh, if, if it, with each passing week at a certain point. So, I mean, small businesses, they, they said the average small business has about, about a month to six weeks of reserve. That's it. 
That's the average small business in terms of what they have in resources. They're not big businesses, so they have that's all they have, and they've already used that up. and uh, And the government will keep them sustainable for a very small amount of time. Uh, they, you know, these businesses got to get back to work, as you know, as you said, they got they have to get back to work, or they're going to go out of business. Right. And it's you know it's a very because it, you you want to you you don't want anybody to get sick. And, no. But I I think at the end of this, and I think what big companies particularly are going to start finding out is that you know you the, you're going to start doing business in different ways. Uh, completely. Yeah, because they're they're already doing with all these um, all these in home conferencing and all the things that they're done. So businesses are never going to say, boy, let's go back to full capacity. Look what we could do, and look at the money we saved. You know that that's coming. Yeah, without 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 any question. All right. So, what games do you have coming up this week? Oh, okay. Tuesday we have Game One of the um, Minnesota Yankees 2009 ALDS, and that John and I will be on at 6:30, and Johnny Damon will be on with us for a half an hour, and then we'll play that game. And on Wednesday it'll be Game Two of the ALDS, and um, we will have A.J. Burnett on the phone with us. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Um, he was a big part of that year. He was. Yeah, he was. He really gets overlooked a lot. Much uh, maligned. He did a good job that year. He did a very good job that year. He really, he really did. did. And that was the game. He he was great until he gave up. I think it was the sixth inning he gave up a solo a home run to, to Delman Young, and they took him out. But he pitched great in that game. And that was also the game that you know they didn't want to win. I think that's the game that Alex tied it like in the eleventh or yep. won it in the eleventh. And um, yeah, and Alex was was last week. We had uh, Cece Sabathia and Nick Swisher, who was shot out of a cannon for a half an hour. <laughs> and um, and Alex and Cece was very honest and very moving about his time here. And um, you know, this remember this is a guy that everybody said he's not coming here. He's a West Coast guy. He's not going to like it here. Not only did he come here and stay here. He still lives here, and kids go to school here, and that's um, so he really has become a New Yorker and is really proud of it. But he was talking about we asked him about the first game where he got pummeled by Baltimore. He said, "I was so nervous. I just wanted to be so good, and it was just awful." <laughs> he was a very good signing for his career. He was a very they got a lot of good years out of him. He was a very big signing for them and and usually those deals don't work out that well. His worked out very well. It and, really and did. Talk about leaving it on the field. He literally left it all on the field. I mean just to watch that and what he pitched with for those last few years, he was still serviceable at the end, and his whole presence was was something that that was very important to the, to, the, to this team. Um, but boy, yeah, it was it's quite something. And guys really love talking about um, the old days. And so for a half an hour, and then listen to the game that we did uh, for a half an hour. It's really nice to, to reminisce and and replay that because 2009 was a was the last really special year around here. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks very much. We'll be watching this league or listening this week, and hopefully, you know, hopefully things eventually will get back to normal. Who knows? We'll keep I our fingers so. crossed. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Stay safe, everybody. Okay. That's Bye-bye. it. Susan Woolman, back after this.